Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Please stand with me if you are able. We'll come together and worship God through song.
Please be seated. And good morning. It's good to be here, isn't it? It's good to, it's good to be in God's house. Good to be, off, be able to offer up our praise and thanks and to learn more about Him and, and get, get information, get, get closer to God so we can go out there and be what God has called us to be, to make a change in the world that surrounds us. And change just not for a year or a week, but a change for eternity. And that's what we're praying that we can do. So, a couple of things. Let me say this so that I don't forget it for later. Uh, church council, so if you're one of our leaders, let's meet over in the, the dining hall. After we get done here, we'll meet over there. We'll try to keep it short, but let's get updated on things that are going on, and we'll do that. Cardinal ball game next week. So, if you've got tickets, make sure that you get your money in for that. And then next Sunday, we'll, we'll leave after, the, after church, and we'll get to the game on time. And we'll have a good time of fellowship. So uh, I'll come back with some more announcements on some things outside the sign-up sheets, etc., for other things. But I want to come to the Lord in prayer. I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Let's offer our, our thanks. Let's offer our praise to a great God who sent His Son to die on the cross that we might have eternal life. And so I don't know what your concerns are, there are prayer lists printed. They've got a lot of things on them. Matter of fact, I had to make an extra column for all the things that, we, that we're praying for. And so the, the list isn't so big that God can't, can't take care of it. That's the great part of that. We can never do that. But I do know that that means that you have a lot of concerns on your heart. A lot of things, a lot of people that you're praying for, a lot of family members, and so I want to pray for them. God knows who they are. God can work in that, and that's what we want to pray for. I also know that you know people who are lost, and we want to pray for them together. Let's join in prayer. Father, thank you this day. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you, Lord, for working in our lives on a daily basis, Lord. Father, making your presence known in our life. Father, as we see things around us, as we, we are witness to answered prayer, Father, we offer our thanks to you, Lord. And Father, we come now at this time. Lord, there are, there are a litany of things on the prayer sheet. And Father, there are people here, Lord, who, who didn't write anything on the prayer list yet. Father, they have things that, that are on their heart. Father, things that concern them. It might be something of health nature. It might be something else, Lord. And Father, we pray that you would be with them, Lord. Father, to show up in those areas of concern. Father, they might see you at work, that others might see you at work. And Father, through your work in, in the things going on in our lives, Father, that people might be drawn to you. And Father, help us to be quick to point the way. Father, to say it's not us, but it's you working in us. And Father, I pray that today, as we come before you, Lord, as we are thankful for our salvation. Father, not everybody has that. Father, we have family, we have friends, we have co-workers, we have neighbors who are without you. They are without salvation. Father, they are not ready for your return. And Father, I pray that you would use us as somebody to speak into their hearts, into their lives. And Father, that that might change. And Father, we might be able to rejoice 
at them becoming a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us if you're, if you're able as we come together and continue to worship God through song. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the evening comes bless the Lord oh my soul His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I'll worship your holy name Your rich in love And your slow to
sing your praise on and Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy name. Sing Wonderful name it is, the name. 
Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Death could not hold you, the veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, my King, what a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. You have no rival, you have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the glory, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is, nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. Thank you. Please be seated.
All right, we're in Acts chapter 9. We sang that song, what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is, what a blessed name it is. This is the, the, the chapter where Jesus, the, the name of Jesus shows up and it is powerful. It is the, the, the conversion of Saul as we're going to read this. And so I want you to capture that. I want you to think about that. So here's the thing. As we've moved along in Acts, in the book of Acts, and here we are in chapter 9, there's been a lot of multiple additions. When we started out on the day of Pentecost, there were like 3,000 added to the church. And they were added continually, day, to, day after day, they were added to the kingdom. So it's this idea, we get this idea of bigness. You know, the idea that, that we're focused on these, these large numbers of people coming to know Jesus and getting saved. The church goes from, you know, that small group on the day of Pentecost, and at the end of the day, there's like 3,000 people. That's the way to grow a church, right? Okay. okay, but God was at work. God was at work. So I want you to think about that. What we're going to see here, we, we saw a little bit of change because we talked about that. It was the ministry in Judea, in, in Jerusalem and in Judea, and now it's going out. Now the, the, the gospel is going out, and it's going to reach a little bit further and a little bit further. And we talked about Philip last week. Philip uh, talked to the, the, the Ethiopian on the road. He also talked to the Samaritan there. So we've seen additions coming in a different way. I want to talk about, because in this chapter, it's just one. Okay, it starts out with just one. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes one isn't all that exciting. Just, just think, I, I, we have blackberries in the backyard. Now they're wild blackberries, and I think that someday they might produce enough to make a pie. At this point, not so much, okay? And, and, and so I walked out there the other week to see if they were, some of them were ready. And I walked out and on all of this mess of blackberries in my backyard across the ditch was one blackberry about the size of my pinky, maybe. You know, you know those little pods they got on it, probably have three pods. Guess what I did? I left it. Okay? It wasn't even worth picking. Alright? It's just one. It was just one black. I, I'm, you know, all excited because years and years ago, I, we actually picked enough blackberries along the road to make a pie. So I'm thinking that God has these blackberry bushes in my backyard. I'm going to make a pie someday. And, and I'm, I'm going to, that one blackberry wasn't going to do it. It wasn't worth reaching in to get it. It was that one. How many of you walked past a penny on the, on the ground? Yeah, it's just one penny. What are you going to do? do with one penny? You can't buy bubble gum anymore. You haven't been able to buy penny bubble gum for most of your lifetimes, okay? So what do you do with the penny? So what do you do? You leave the penny on the ground. You drop the penny at the counter at the gas station you're likely not even to bother picking it up. Somebody who needs it will pick it up, right? So sometimes we don't get excited about one. But I want you to understand that as we move through this, God isn't all about 3,000 and 5,000 and, and those kind of numbers. God sent his son to die on the cross for the one. We must understand that. 
You're the one. And I want us to, as we walk through this, I want us to reflect on the importance of the one that sometimes we miss. Sometimes we miss. We're asking that question as we move through the book of Acts. What was God doing? And what were they doing? And that's the people in the text that we're going to read about. Because what we don't want is a history lesson that doesn't make a difference to us. We want to read the Scripture and understand the same God that was working in chapter 9, and chapter 8, and chapter 7, chapter 6, chapter 5. That same God is the same God that we worship. That same Jesus working in the midst of these people that we're reading about is the same Jesus that we pray to. It's the same Jesus whom we just worshiped about. It's the same Jesus that we are waiting to burst through the clouds and say hi to us. Oh, call us home, right? Make you fly and jump higher than you've ever been. And to make you perfect. That's the Jesus that we're reading about. That's the Jesus we worship today. And so we want to learn enough that we might become better servants of Christ. So we might see things happen in our life and in our church that we can't take credit for. Because it was God at work in our midst. So let's read here in Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1. I read out a New American Standard. It's on the, the screens here. Uh, you guys can follow along in your Bibles there if you have those. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The man who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him to Damascus. And he was there, he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision in, uh, he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. 
And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. So when we start this chapter out, we start that out in chapter one, in verses one and two of this chapter, we see the Saul that was standing by holding the cloaks as Stephen was stoned. As they were, they were executing an end to what they, they called the way. As they were trying to defeat Christianity, as the council was trying to, to react to that and, and take out those who preached the name of Jesus, Saul was standing there. And in that first couple of verses in this chapter, we see that Saul is still breathing threats. Right? He's still breathing threats and, and murder to any belonging to the way. In other words, he's persecuting the people that are calling on Jesus. If you call on, you know, do you know Jesus? Yeah, he's my Savior. Then come with me. I'm taking you to Jerusalem. I'm going to wrap you up, bind you, and I'm going to carry you away. You are my prisoner because I'm seeking to put an end to the way. That's who Saul is in the beginning of this chapter. Saul is the enemy. As a matter of fact, he seems to be, the way Luke portrays it to us, the chief enemy of Christianity at this point. You know, the other guys, the council in Jerusalem, had thrown some guys in jail. They didn't go and chase anybody down. Paul, or Saul, he's leaving Jerusalem and he's, and he's chasing people down. He, he has the authority and the power to bring them back. And so Saul is portrayed to us by Luke as the enemy of the church. The enemy of the church. So, what do you think about the enemy of the church? I want you to think about that for a moment. Because in our day, we have Saul's around the world. They are the enemy of the church. They seek to, to silence those who speak about Jesus. They would like nothing more to, than to see the end of Christianity. Just as Saul did. So how do we respond to those people? What, what do we, what, where do we place them in, in, in the basket of redemption? Because oftentimes... When we see somebody as an enemy, they are always the enemy. They're always the enemy. It reminds me, as I'm standing here, about the, the, the school consolidation back in the 50s. When they started to consolidate towns together, the, the Piesaws and the Shipmans and the etc. 
the Standard City, Carlinville, all of those things. You can't do that. We hate those people. You realize we can't go to school with those people because they're from that town. Right? They're our enemy. I think oftentimes we think of the enemy of Christ in that same fashion. They're an enemy now and they'll always be an enemy. But I want you to know as we read through this story that that doesn't have to be the case because God has the power to change. My friend, that's something that we need not to forget. That as we look out on our enemy, and we, we need an enemy, right? We, we, you know, when communism fell, it was disappointing. The Russians can't be the bad guys all the time anymore. We've got to come up with a new bad guy. We've got to come up with somebody else that we don't like. We need an enemy. And in Christianity, I think we think the same way sometimes. But I want you to know, when we think about this story... To realize that the enemy, the chief enemy of the church, Jesus died for. And Jesus wants to change that person's life. So on the road to Damascus, with papers in hand, with excitement in his heart, with a passion to destroy the way, a light shines, blinds him, and puts him on the ground. And a voice speaks to him. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you? And the last thing that he expected that voice to say was Jesus. Because he, in his mind, was doing the work of God and Jesus was not the Son of God. But out of that, out of that darkness, out of that bright light, the voice speaks. And the others heard the voice. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. I mean, that just tells you you're on the wrong side of this. God got hold of the chief enemy of the church. And what we see is a drastic change in the direction of his life. Do you, I, I want you to think about this for a moment. Up until that point, here's a guy who's zealous for God. Where's he going when he dies? Straight to hell. Because he rejected the Son of God. He rejected the gift of Jesus. He rejected the redemption that only Jesus can offer. Where were you before Jesus came into your life? Where were you headed? Absolutely the same place as the guy that was zealous for God. I don't know what your life was like. You might have been a good person. You might have been a bad person. just depends on if I ask your mother or not. You and I, before Jesus, were in the same predicament that Saul was before Jesus. So, if we read ahead in the story, what happens? He receives his sight. He gets baptized. That means he's become a believer. Now, where does he go when he dies? You expect to see him on the streets of gold in heaven, don't you? Because this man gave his life to Jesus. His eternal destination drastically changed. 180 degrees. 
when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the same thing happens to you. You go into the same place. To be in the presence of the one who spoke. I don't like bright light. To be in the presence of the one who died for you. That's powerful. Sometimes we hold Paul up on his pedestal. I don't you understand that Jesus did the same for you that he did for Paul, that he did for Saul. He died for you so that you might not have eternal separation, eternal damnation. But he died for you that you might have, that you might receive grace and mercy and be in his presence. In a place without suffering, with a place without pain, in a place without tears, in the presence of of the Almighty and the Holy God in all of His glory. That change that took place in His life is the same change that took place in my life when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it's an important story. I want you to think about this as I, as I was doing, and this stuff's in the Bible, this is in the Bible app, I think, is that... Um, we're going to read this story two more times as we walk through the book of Acts. Why? Because it's life-changing. Your story is that important. That story that you're afraid to tell somebody about, that Jesus saved you, that your story, your, your Saul story, your road to Damascus story when your life changed, it's that important that it needs to be heard over and over and over again. Somebody needs to hear that story. A different audience hears that story every time in the book of Acts. Because everybody needs to hear the story of somebody's salvation. This Saul, you love this because here's Ananias. Hey, Ananias, I want you to go down and see Saul. The guy from Tarsus. <laughs> you mean the Saul? That Saul that wants to put me, that, that Saul that I'm supposed to avoid because he wants to take me back to Jerusalem and bound and fettered and in chains and drag me back and make a, a mockery of me and silence me? You want me to go see that Saul? You want me to lay hands on him? My idea of laying hands on him and your idea of laying hands on him are totally different. Just going to say, right? Get out you know, I've been dreaming about putting my hands on him, but not like that. I don't want him to receive sight. I want him to go away. He's your enemy. God, you want me to send him so he can be... He's my chosen instrument. Again and again, all throughout the Scripture, we see that God uses people. He used Abraham. He used Joseph. You know, and Joseph had to struggle through getting thrown in jail, right? Into the pit, and then in the jail. And, and, and he used Joseph, then he uses Moses. Then he uses countless others, he uses David. God has, it's not the Davids, it's not the Moses, it's not the Abrahams, it's not the Josephs, it's not the Daniels, it's not the, the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's. It's God working through the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Daniels and the Moses and the, the Joseph and Abraham, etc. And it's God working through Saul 
that makes a difference. When you and I look in at, you know, because I'm, I see what God did through Paul or Saul. Work through me. But I want you to understand that that is exactly what it is. It's not Paul. It's not Saul. It's God choosing that person as an instrument to, to work through to bring people to His kingdom. To bring glory to Himself. You and I are designed to do the very same thing. We may not get to do it to the magnitude, but do you understand that God has chosen us to be a vessel to carry His love to a world that needs to hear that? God has chosen you. God has chosen me to be that light bearer, to be a witness, to go and tell the world that's all that Saul did. He went and told the world. It's what we get to do. And you listen to what he tells. He just tells what happened on the road to Damascus. How God changed him. Go and tell. And, and I love the change, right? In the end, he's breathing the end of the church. That's how the story begins. In that last verse that we read, the Jesus who he was trying to wipe the name off of everybody's lip, he proclaims Jesus. And what does he say about Jesus that he didn't say before? He is the Son of God. Think about it. Three days. <laughs> That's the change that takes place. This man was persecuting everybody who proclaimed that Jesus was the Son of God. Absolutely did not believe that. Wanted to put it to an end because that was blasphemy against God. And when God gets done with him, when God gets hold of his life, the story changes. God gets hold of your life, the story changes. And what does he say? He proclaims Jesus. He doesn't just mention it. Proclaim means to do it with excitement, enthusiasm, passion. You don't proclaim something silently. Okay? He proclaims Jesus and tells the world. And he goes on to tell the world. You, you, you catch that phrase? He's my chosen instrument to speak before kings and before... And that's exactly which seems impossible at the time, is exactly what God does through Paul. He stands. Those times when he shares this story of his change, he's standing before kings. He's standing before an audience that he wouldn't get in front of except for that God made it happen. And oftentimes in your life, you will stand before people whom you couldn't have had time with, but God made it possible. Don't miss those opportunities. So things change. What was God doing? God was building the kingdom. And sometimes that's not 3,000 at a time. That's one at a time. 
We have four right now to baptize. Which one of those four could God use? It's not four. It's one at a time. Who do you know that you're praying for? that God could use to dramatically change the lives of others. God was building His kingdom. What do we see happening here? There's two people in here that we focus on. One is Saul, and the other is Ananias. What we've seen as we move through the book of Acts is we've seen God place Peter and John and the apostles before People who thought that they were serving God, the council. We've seen God place Stephen before that same council. And what have we seen happen? How did they respond to the message that was given to them, that was delivered in, the, in their presence and in their hearing? God designed that so that they might hear that message and they might be changed. God sent His Son to die for those people on the council. He desired their salvation. But their response was incorrect because they rejected the Word. So when we roll into the ninth chapter, we see the chief enemy do what? He responds correctly. He says yes to Jesus rather than reject. What does Ananias do when God calls him to do absolutely the last thing in the world that he ever wanted to do was to go and lay hands on, on, and, on, and, on Saul and walk away with him still breathing? Ananias did exactly what God asked him to do. So what do we see in this? We see God at work building His kingdom and we see the two main figures Respond exactly as God desired them to respond. So what are we going to do? God's still building His kingdom. God's still working in our lives. God is still speaking to us. How will we respond? Will we respond like the council saying, no, no thanks? Or will we respond like the Ananias and Saul and say, that's not what I intended, but since you've asked, I'll do Something for us to think about. Here's the action steps. When we walk away this today, what can we do as we walk out of here that will make a difference in, the, in our life? Who do you consider is doing much harm to the saints? Because that's the description of Saul. He was doing much harm to the saints. I want you to think about this question. Who was praying for Saul? Somebody was praying for Saul. I want you to think about that because I want you to consider who do you think is an enemy of the church? Who do you see shutting down people in their walk with Christ? Because I want you to pray for that person to be converted. Because if Saul can get converted, that person on your list can get converted. It takes God at work in their life. And that happens when the saints see that the enemy can be overcome. Because Jesus can work in their life. Imagine the hallelujah when the news trickled back to those people that were praying for Saul to be converted. 
There's some high-fiving going on, fist-bumping and hallelujahs and praise. And rightfully so. Because God did something that they could not do. God got hold of them and changed the life. And I want you to think about what is your conversion story? You weren't blinded by a light on the road to Damascus. But your eternal destination was changed when you accepted Jesus Christ. The results are the same. What is your conversion story? What, did, what was the time? What was the place? I shared my story is on, a, on, a, on Edward Street on, on concrete port steps painted red. I think there's three of them. On a Saturday night, my life changed. The same as Saul's. The only light was probably a street light down the street. But my life changed. What is your story? Because somebody else needs to hear that story. What was it that, that took you to understand that you were a sinner in need of salvation? What is your conversion story? Let's think about sharing that. We're going to stand. We're going to sing. We're going to give an invitation song. If God has moved you in any way to respond, it may be to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to have your life changed as was Saul's. Then you make your way forward down here. I'll be here. There'll be a couple of deacons over here. We're ready to pray. You may have somebody that you want to bring to pray with you. You may be moved in some other way to respond to what God is calling you to do. You may, be, you may respond to go, I want to go share the gospel with the world. I want to be a missionary. I want to be a preacher, whatever it is. Then you, we don't want to stand in your way. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And we want to pray for you. You may have other concerns that you want to pray for. Maybe something physical. Maybe a friend that you want to pray for. And it might be just now that God is impressing on your heart to pray for that lost person that's your friend or your co-worker or your family member. You come and pray, and we will pray with you. Let's stand. He calls me 
Father, thank you for this day, for your presence, for your mercy, for your grace. Father, help us to live it out in a world that rejects you, Lord. Father, help us to be a light. Use us, Father, as your chosen instrument. Help us to share our conversion story. Father, help us to pray for those that stand in opposition to the church. Father, may we see your hand at work just as it was in the life of Saul. May we see destinations, eternal destinations changed. Father, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's the, um, the scripture readings for this week. Um, out of Genesis, Ezekiel, and James, and in Luke. So I encourage you to read your scripture Reading changes your life, okay? really does. And so I want to encourage you to read the Scripture. A couple other things that I need to announce. Church Council again, if you're, if you're part of our leadership, then over in the other building we'll meet for a short period of time. Baseball game will leave after church, so you can see we'll, we'll probably leave 11.30 or so. We'll leave out of here and we'll head down to the ball game. We'll be in our van and our bus, and we'll make that trip down there, get unloaded on the sidewalk, and... Find your seats that are way at the top, but you get a hot dog and a soda for those people that are going. It's a $750 ticket, okay? And so they're paying you to go. Do you realize that? So uh, let's, let's go and, and root them on right before the All-Star break. Uh, there's a couple other things I need to announce, not this Monday, but on the 18th, the day after the ball game, we're going to be doing the lunch bunch. There's a sign-up sheet out there. We're doing lunch bunch. That means we're serving over at the housing and the little building over there. Uh, we'll be serving lunch over there, and if you'd like to help with that, much appreciate your help. So sign up out on the sign-up sheet. August 4th, I need some people who have the August 4th free, because what I want to do is take a group of us down to the CAC. They're having a back-to-school event on that day. They have it actually the day before and the day after, but that Thursday is kind of the big day. And so I'd like to take a group down there. We could be packing things in the backpacks. We could be helping with a block party that they're doing to help distribute these things to reach and touch the community that the CAC serves. You see it as you go by to the ballpark. It's just off to the south side or to the left side of you. As you're making your way, you can see the arch. It's off this way. And over there in the Gompers housing is where it's at. They're just on the edge of that. So if you're free on the 4th, I'd like, we'll have a sign-up sheet out shortly but I'd like you to participate in that. And is there anything else that I need to announce? Does anybody want to go to the fair see Michael? He's outside with the bus, okay? If you'd like, Michael was going to take the van over there right now. There's nobody going, but you want to speak to that? 
Okay. I put uh, him on the spot. Yeah. Uh, this evening at the Jersey County Fair, I'm in charge of the uh, praise night that we do on the, the Sunday before everything really gets started with the fair. So we have a couple of, of uh, bands from churches in Jerseyville that will lead us in worship. And Farm Bureau provides ice cream for all the, all the attendees. So there will be music, ice cream, more music, and just praising God together. So okay. if you're interested in that, you can talk to Michael about catching a ride. Okay. That is this evening at 6 o'clock. And if you want to just drive yourself over there, you're welcome to do that too. Okay. All right, so I think that takes care of it for stuff that I need to announce. Watch your emails tomorrow because everything that I forgot will be in that. Okay, thank you.